Hello, everyone, and welcome to Toronto Rock Total Access. I'm Mike Hancock. Kyle Davis also here. We are the guys they were talking about on the Jumbotron on Saturday night. If you're tuning in for the first time, if you're coming back, well, welcome back. But uh, anyways, this is Toronto Rock Total Access. Katie, uh, I don't know. It's, again, every week I say this. I don't know where to start because this is a weird one on Saturday night. A Toronto Rock lost 16-8. to a uh, game that was close at the half. Uh, the Rock even held a lead going into the uh, later stages of the third quarter, and then the wheels just seemed to fall off. But uh, I don't know where you want to start, but uh, this was not what either one of us predicted, not even <laughs> close <laughs> either way. But I don't, I don't know. Your uh, your initial thoughts here. Yeah, it's not what we predicted. We've moved to 4-3 and three on the year now after that loss, a devastating loss to our record as well as the Toronto Rock <laughs> record. Uh, but, you know, going into the leading up into the game this past week, uh, I kind of, and I think yourself included, had basically wouldn't have been surprised if that was the score just flipped around. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Like, that's kind of what we had had in mind. And, you know, I was kind of surprised myself personally when I saw Del Bianco run out to, to start the game. I did, I thought they would have went Chiliano, but but they didn't. And I thought Del Bianco made some, made some saves throughout the night that kind of stymied the Rock offense. And, you know, we've talked about it took Tom a while to find his first one. And Del Bianco made some big saves on him. It's kind of like he knew he studied our shooters. You know, you mentioned that Schreiber coming across the crease one, like a crease dive. He kind of looks far side, brings it back short side. And Del Bianco was there for the time. Just he knew it was coming. It felt like, and even through all this stuff, the offense, you know, not not pouring it on like like we were used to the last four games. Like you mentioned, they were in a good spot. Uh, I still late in the third, even in to start the fourth, I still had confidence that they were going to pull this win out. I just didn't, you know, it was one of those. I think we're going to find a way here tonight, uh, and it and it just never happened. I, obviously, I don't think the five minute penalty. By Jones, you know, I'm sure it's one he wants back. The team wants back. We're up 7-5. They scored two power play goals to make it 7-7. I know we went back up after that, but it just, you know, kind of gave Calgary that little bit of like, all right, we're in this. We actually can do this here. We're hanging around. Uh, let's go get it. And, you know, you got to credit Calgary. They, they got the job done. Last kind of thought on Calgary there. It felt like Dobie... Dixon, and to a lesser extent, but still, still prominently, Berg really did make a difference in that game. And it's weird looking at the box score and seeing them only go, you know, two and four. Or no one had more than six points, but it felt like Dobie had some critical, critical goals. I guess at the right times. I guess that that's why they stuck out to me more. They all seemed to score daggers. It, it just seemed to be at that moment when you thought that the Rock could break out or the momentum would swing in in the rocks direction or they would be able to build some that it just seemed like they needed a stop here and there and they just didn't get it um i do want to circle back to del bianco for a little bit because a couple things i noticed like you were talking about the the one big save on schreiber where you know it did look like he had a little bit of a book on him already which is kind of weird to think that you know a 20 year old goalie that's stepping in here um you know looking for his first win in the nll um, but it almost looked like, like you're saying, how Schreiber a lot of times when he dives across the crease will kind of go far side, come back short side. But it was almost like Del Bianco even baited him a little bit. That's kind of almost what it looked like from up top was that Del Bianco even baited him a little bit to, 
to come back. Like he leaned, but he took it away fast. Um, and then the other thing I noticed about Del Bianco, I think in previous games, and I don't know if it was just one of those uh, illusions, I guess, or not, but I always thought that Del Bianco looked a little smaller in net and didn't move with as much confidence as we saw him on Saturday night. I thought that was a big thing. I just thought he moves really, really well, has a ton of confidence, and I think for those of us who watched him play for Coquitlam in the summer at the Minto Cup in Brampton, one of the biggest takeaways, I think, was just how well he moved. And and I'm not just talking about when he's stopping a shot, but getting out there and getting loose balls and picking up the ball and being active as almost another guy, um, you know, when, when they're trying to move the ball up the floor. And, and that was the thing. I mean, Calgary kind of ran all night, and Del Bianco's a big part of that because he's got that ball in his stick, and he's got no fear. He's firing that ball up the floor in a hurry. Yeah, I, I that was my takeaway as well. It seems like every shot, you, you know, far side defender at the top, he was going up the floor away from the benches. Del Bianco was quick, you know, right in his stick and, and up. And you know, they did push the ball. They did get a couple a couple goals on the fast break, and and that still even just wears you know Toronto out to a certain extent. Even if they're not scoring on that shift, it's just doing little things throughout the game that add up to, you know, in a positive manner in the big picture of the full 60 minutes that's kind of like just chipping away, right? Uh, so, yeah, he, he had a good game, and I think there's no doubt about, you know, who's starting the next game in Calgary. We, on previous shows, we've kind of talked about some of the goaltending, you know, controversies or, or mishaps around the league, Buffalo at a time, and Calgary was in there at one time. Um, I don't think there's any question who's getting the next start uh, in Calgary, and that's uh, Del Bianco. Yeah, and I still think when we have talked about that, specifically when we're uh, in conversation about Calgary's situation, is that it's almost like Shiliano's still a stopgap for them a little bit. And, and I would even still say that, I mean, one game I don't think is going to uh, totally give the number one job to Del Bianco. But, you know, without a doubt, he's going to struggle here again at some point. He's 20 years old. He has... Very, very limited experience, but, you know, we have talked about him as kind of being the, you know, I mean, maybe aside from Dylan Ward, but not really, but, like, you know, the most kind of celebrated goalie coming out of junior since Matt Vince, and we're going back to, what, I think 2003, 2004, I think, when uh, when Vino was coming out of junior. So, um, you know, we're going back a ways here to, to – kind of identify when I think we've had a goaltender that's been kind of this highly touted and Del Bianco seems to be that next guy who could go on a Matt Vince-like run like we've mentioned before and pile up a ton of goaltender of the year awards you know Vino won three championships in a row and was the backbone I think of those Rochester teams obviously they were good clubs but I think without Vino um, they probably don't win those so Calgary and like you said, their offensive weapons, too, up front. I mean, they do have them. I mean, you've got guys like Dixon, Doby, Berg that can go off. Uh, you know, we saw Holden Katoni shoot the ball. We saw Ryan, Riley Lowen shoot the ball. I mean, they've got some guys. Courier, I think we saw that he's pretty dynamic. Um, I still don't know if he's the guy who is as close to Josh Byrne for Rookie of the Year now as, as maybe some people think. But... Um, you know, we can talk about Josh Byrne separately and, and what he did this weekend to kind of maybe separate himself. Lots of lots of interesting and great performances around the league too, but I think we go back here with Toronto and, and we've mentioned the transition game a little bit and, you know, I'm wondering, Kyle, and we'll 
probably pose this to Rocket Coach Matt Sawyer, who will be one of our two guests on the show here today. But just to talk a little bit about when another team is running on you so much and your D guys are maybe you know, having to exhaust a little more energy coming off the bench, running, you know, probably twice as hard, kind of in some some instances, how much that, you know, the other team's transition game is taking away from your own transition game when your horses don't quite have the gas in the tank to then push the ball back up the other way because we've talked so much about those weapons like Sheldon Burns and Challen Rogers and Damon Edwards and on and on here coming out the back door. Latrell Harris, though, I know maybe he's a guy that uh, – you want to maybe talk about for a minute and just that he seemed to probably have one of his better games here so far this year. Yeah, I, I thought Latrell was, was pretty engaged and, and you, you noticed him more so, I guess, or than, than I have in recent games or, or throughout the year. Sometimes from a D perspective, though, that's not necessarily good. You know, you have a, a safe safe game you know no one really noticed you that just means you played a good solid defensive game but I I noticed he was pushing the ball transition you know he had a great give and go give and go goal sorry um with Sheldon Burns there and I, I don't I know Tyson and his family member was in town but uh I'm not sure if that you know contributed to a bit but I just felt Latrell was was engaged pushing the ball you know he chipped it offensively he had the one called back I believe too uh, just just very noticeable to me at least for for the past game and one thing I will say kind of just from a team perspective you know you mentioned Del Bianco's gonna struggle again I I think we all didn't expect as much as we maybe got warped into thinking it that the Rock were gonna score 20 a night and we were gonna breeze through the rest of the year we kind of we knew they were gonna hit you know some sort of adversity at some point here and you know, for fans, if fans are freaking out, I would take a step back. <laughs> you, you, you know, like it's still there. Still, is nine good teams in this league, and you're not going to win every night twenty to ten. And you know, Calgary played some some tight D, didn't give the offense much. Maybe coupled with the offense not feeling it as much, you know. And the D, I'm sure Rosie wasn't feeling you know that great about his game in the back half, even though he was stellar, very stellar uh, in the in the front half and. Ultimately, nine unanswered goals down this stretch. You're not going to win a lacrosse game giving up nine in a row without uh, tallying one yourself. And it's crazy because that's pretty well how Toronto won the game against New England a couple yep. of weeks ago. It was a 9-0 run at the end of the game. But I, I think, and again, stuff we'll touch on uh, with Matt Sawyer when he's in studio with us here. But even just the fact that, you know, when Schreiber did score that goal to go up 8-7 with I think 2-10 to go in the third quarter you know it seemed to be like you say it seemed to be okay now here we go like you know Schreiber's off the schneid here a little bit he struggled but he got one kind of a you know one of those Tom type goals really too right Um, something that you would think okay now he's engaged in the game and because there was a play earlier it might have been in the might have been in the first quarter or the third quarter, I think. Can't remember, but Tom got stripped, lost his stick, and it was, you know, you don't want to say one of the uglier <laughs> situations that we've seen Tom in, but that was one of the first times that he really, I felt like, kind of got taken to school a little bit and was stripped, a stick, you know, full yard sale, right? Um, and I thought, okay, maybe there's going to be a little burn in his saddle here and this is going to fire him up. And then when he scored the goal, I thought, okay, maybe, but. It just it never seemed to get going for him, and uh, you know I think it was probably a little bit of the theme for the whole team. But back to kind of after he scored that goal, and I thought something was going to go the Rocks' way. You know, they, Calgary comes back with two goals in the final minute of the third quarter. And then it almost felt. Then I felt like 
it just the game turned so weird because you had the five-minute major to Adam Jones just before that that Calgary was down 7-5, and it seemed, again, like the Rock were ready to build some momentum. Then they give up two goals on the power play, but then Schreiber gets it back, and then they give up two more goals. It just seemed like by the end of the third quarter, it was almost like the gas was out of the tank <laughs> at that point, I felt. You, you also had the, you know, Sorensen gets the non-call hit hit from behind, cross-check from behind. You know, you're not making excuses. If the game of lacrosse, you got to battle through, stuff like that. And over the course of a season, that stuff usually, you know, cancels each other out. Yep. But then you got... You know, I think I think it was Dixon one goal. It looked like Brody and and Rose were kind of tangled up in the crease there a little bit. It just like you, you're right. There was some weird goals. Westberg went kind of hard to the net, has back to the crease, and kind of just turned inside on someone. It kind of looked a little little awkward how he got across it and found a way to score yep. that. But uh, ultimately, you know, you, they found a way, and it wasn't Toronto's night. But you know, a good thing about this. This league, you, you regroup with a practice tonight and you're back at it You know, this weekend in a big divisional game versus Rochester. And we'll also ask Matt Sawyer about this. We're just compiling our question list here. But, you know, after the Rocks struggled offensively in their first two games, significant lineup changes, a trade. You know, Dan Lindner comes out, hasn't been back in the lineup yet. Steph LeBlanc traded. You bring Dan Craig off the pup list. You know, he's ready to go. He steps into the lineup. Kira McCardle didn't play the first two games. Boom, he's in the lineup all of a sudden. And and then it's kind of like, okay, well, what do, you, what do you do? Do you, and I'm asking you, do you tinker here? Or do you say, we have the blueprint for success already. Let's stick with that blueprint and continue with the same lineup. Or do you tinker? I I wouldn't tinker too much. At, I mean, personally, I think, you know, they that's been the lineup they've dressed basically for the last five games. Now, I'll be if if Sandy Chapman is available. I, I think Sandy slides back in for sure. Uh, veteran guy, obviously very important to to the team. But um, you know that line that basically is the same lineup you played for five games in a row. Now it's worked for four times. What you know, everyone has an off night. Chalk it up. You know, throughout the course of eighteen games, you might have one or eight, you know an eighteen game season. You might have one. You might have two of those, three of those even. But it's going to happen. I don't think I don't think until it starts becoming you know a streak or or a slide and this keeps happening multiple times, you know, I have full confidence that you put this group back out there, they're going to go out uh, I mean, I don't know if they're going to score 20 again or what that looks like, but they're going to put an honest effort forward and you know, I I think at least find a find a way to grab the, a big road W on uh, on the weekend here. So, I wouldn't twinker quite yet. Wouldn't be hitting the panic button by any means. I think all is well. Consider we start 2 and 0 oh and 2. Sorry, we're still, you know, 4 and 1 in the last 5, which you'll take any time. And the Rocks still have a bit of a wild card here, and his name is Phil Caputo. I, you know, like, you wonder, too, you know, if you are going to slide somebody in the lineup, I know there has been, it seems like, a pretty hard line has been drawn on going three righties. So I don't know if or how Phil Caputo could fit in necessarily. But, you know, if Chappie's healthy, I know we're just throwing out wild hypotheticals here, but what if Caputo bumps up front, Chappie bumps in for Caputo, and nobody else comes back on the D side? I don't know. And then maybe you go with 11 kind of or 10 defenders, uh, transition guy kind of, and your 6-0 guys. I, I don't know. It's And then who do you take out on the left side? Lots of questions. These are the types of things we will pose to Matt Sawyer. And guess what? He is our first guest on the podcast here. So we're going to take a short break. 
on Toronto Rock Total Access. Then we'll be back with the head coach of the Toronto Rock, Matt Sawyer, followed by the captain of the Toronto Rock, Brody Merrill. All that and more to come here on Toronto Rock Total Access. Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. I'm Mike Hancock along with Kyle Davis. We now welcome into studio Matt Sawyer, head coach of the Toronto Rock. Matty, I'd say, uh, how are you doing? But I know it's probably not as good as in the pre- previous weeks. But uh, overall, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, thanks. Oh, all right then. Okay, so uh, a game that uh, obviously didn't play out the way you had hoped. However, did you fear that this might be coming at some point with this group with the amount of success that has come in recent weeks? And not to say that the success came easily, but just that there was so much of it and that even if it was dialed back a little bit, you're still maybe looking at a 13, 14, 15 goal performance. Yeah, um, you know, I, I guess you asked there, did we fear it was coming? Uh, not necessarily, but, uh, you know, we, um, we're we always trying to uh, uh, put a good week together and, and get better from the uh, the week previous and um, obviously with the result uh, not being the one that uh, we wanted, um, you know, we just weren't good enough on Saturday, uh, Calgary played a real good game, and um, you know we were uh, um, weren't good in a lot of areas, and, and we saw the end result. But uh, it's one game, and uh, it's a long season here, so we got to try to learn from it, get better from it, and forget about it, move on to Rochester. Now, was it uh, a defensive thing? Was it a goaltending thing on on their part that uh, kind of stymied the offense? Was it a lack of execution on your part? What do you think was the downfall offensively? Well, I think, um, you know, you, um, a lot of those factors that you mentioned. Uh, one thing when we were getting ready and preparing for uh, Calgary, we thought, um, you know, defensively their 5-on-5 five five defense was one of the best uh, that we were going to see um, up until that point of the season. They did a real good job against us, uh, keeping us to the outside, um, dictating kind of where the shots come uh, were coming from. And um, obviously Del Bianco played good behind them, but we didn't uh, – from our standpoint, we didn't create enough quality chances to uh, to really test them, and um, you know, you saw the result. Would we put up eight over the course of the game? And that's just uh, you know that's not enough. Our defense and goaltending held us for as long as they could, but um, ultimately couldn't hold them long enough. And what was it? Do you think that really kind of swung the game late? Because as we've talked about quite a bit off the top of the podcast today, was that. You know, it was a 7-5 game. You have the major penalty to Jones. They score a couple goals there, but then Schreiber gets a goal, kind of a typical Tom goal almost, puts the team up with 2-10 to go in the third quarter, and then those couple of goals late in the third quarter kind of felt like backbreakers almost, even though it only gave Calgary one goal lead, kind of heading for home into the final 15. But was there a particular moment maybe in that second half where you felt that the momentum really swung Calgary's way? Well, really, we just, um, you know, we, we had trouble putting together a run. I think we had one there towards, uh, or at the start of the second quarter. But, uh, you know, our success um, offensively in the, the three previous games, we were, we were pretty good for long stretches, and we just couldn't find that against Calgary. You mentioned the uh, ill-timed uh, five-minute penalty, and that was a, a big point in that game. But, but as you said, we came out of that 7-7 and quickly got the lead. Those couple of goals towards the end of the third just seemed to uh, we just couldn't recover after that, and the game kind of snowballed from uh, from that point on. And we need to be uh, we need to be stronger. We need to be stronger mentally, and and realize that uh, you're going to get into some of those games, and you need to find a way to win them. We um, you know we can't expect to always have five and six goal leads. So that's uh, the lesson we'll take from it, and, and try to be better. And uh, the next time that comes up. 
Got a couple different topics or areas I want to bounce around with you here and kind of get your perspective on. First of all, you know, how, how's the arm, I guess? A couple challenges throwing there. Um, and what does that do, you know, to the bench in terms of when, when one goes right, one goes wrong, and, and just all playing into the swings? And I know you got, you know, it's not like the NHL, you guys have tablets on the bench or anything. How, how hard is that, I guess, to get a read on, you know, yeah, we do want to challenge this just by looking at the Jumbotron and all the timing going into it and whatnot? Yeah, well, you know, you, there's uh, 25 seconds is a kind of a time limit on on um, you know the uh, the challenge, and um, really you're at the mercy of your uh, of the replays on the uh, on the scoreboard. The second one there was just uh, was really a hope on the uh, I think it was the Berg goal, and we just looked at it. Um, really didn't get a good look on the uh, on the replay, and, and just figured um, the time in the game we may as well throw it, and, and uh, if you're not successful, you almost treat it like a timeout, but. Uh, you know, when you win them, it feels good on the bench and gives everybody a boost. You just try to be right in those situations. You'd like to not have to throw them for the referees to make the correct call, but uh, the game moves fast. So when it comes up, um, you want to be right. And, uh, you know, game planning for this game, I'm not sure if you expected Del Bianco to play or not, but, uh, you know, a goalie who doesn't have much NLL experience, I'm sure you've seen him in the junior ranks, but how do you prepare for, for a goalie like that that you – really haven't seen too much of in the league or your shooters haven't maybe shot on that much uh, throughout their career yeah well definitely um you know not many of our guys if any have uh, have faced him he came into the game um in toronto last year and uh, kind of mopped up and we had some success there but really going into that game just game plan for both of them uh, we had a hunch that uh, he'd be playing but it, uh, it's just a total guess but there's certainly enough tape on him to uh to educate yourself on the uh, type of goal he is and and maybe uh try to pick out some uh, weak spots but we we sure didn't do a good job there but well those those situations pop up all the time be it goalies or an offensive player a defender that uh, you're not overly familiar with it's just part of the game and and um really it's um you know it's more about us and us as a, a team and individuals just try to prepare ourselves and last one here uh offensively you know obviously they weren't putting up the goals the the offense previously did in the in the last four games but it to me it felt you know there was there was a level of frustration building as the game went on hickey seemed to be get kind of get involved in in talking i guess and involved with guys you know the jones jones takes a penalty there how do you kind of manage that frustration because ultimately late in the third quarter you're still in the game with a very good chance to win that game to try and keeping them you know away from the i guess the garbage or the crap because there still is a great chance that we can pull out two points here no that's um you know it's a great point and uh you know from a player standpoint that's what you know mentioned um uh, in the dressing room afterwards we need to be tougher and we call that mentally tough and it's really easy to play when uh from an offensive standpoint when everything's rolling your way and and the balls are falling like they have been but the true challenge is to figure out a way to get it done when maybe um you don't feel it you're at your best or or um you know there are those frustrations that uh, that are coming up within the game so um, you know, we definitely need to do a better job of that because you don't want to be a team that is uh, what I call a front-running team that uh, plays real good when you got the lead and things are going easy. Uh, from a coach standpoint, you want to see your team um, pull through those situations and, and pull out a win on a night when maybe you weren't at your best. So, Now, a couple other things I wanted to touch on, some stuff that we brought up uh, again in the first part of the podcast. Uh, Calgary's transition game, when the other team is running as well as they were, moving the ball up as much as they were. How does that affect your team's transition game the other way? 
Well, um, you know, transition generally comes off of good defensive stops. And, uh, you know, that's a five-man unit out there and maybe creating a turnover or, um, you know, dictating a, uh, um, a shot from an area where it's easy for your goalie to pick it off and, and you can hit your outlets. So uh, when you're chasing all the time and, and the game's going up and down the floor, it can have, um, you know, it can have an impact on our own transition game. Calgary uh, ran real well, which we expected, but we certainly helped them out in that area. Um, and by that, I'm talking about offensively. We didn't protect the ball, and um, we threw the ball away a lot, and, and a lot of uh, loose balls that were on the floor that we didn't come up with. Just um, not only does that allow them to uh, to um, run the floor, but you know, easily within that game, we left 12 to uh, 15 uh, offensive uh, sets kind of on the table that we didn't uh, get a chance to go out there and play offense just because we were turning the ball over, not coming up with loose balls in the offensive end. You talk about loose balls in the offensive end. I thought Calgary seemed to get a lot of repossessions there as well. Um, defensive loose balls an issue or a blip on the radar here? Well, you know, uh, when we've been successful, we've been pretty good. Um, you know, for me, I think that's uh, um, a real key stat in, in the game of lacrosse, almost a I call it a hidden stat. So you uh, repeat possessions; they just kill your uh, kill your defense. And um, you know, and offensively, if you can come up with them, you can uh, um, you get uh, more time to play with the ball on offense and maybe wear down a defensive uh, or the uh, opposition's defense. So um, it's um, you know it's it's not an issue. It's just uh, I think it's just the way that game went. And um, you know, I don't know the numbers right off the top of my head, but uh, we're usually pretty good in the loose ball area. Now this lineup, uh, you know, you've ridden it pretty well and unless there's been an injury here over the last five games. Um, I posed the question to KD, would you tinker or do you leave the lineup the same? I guess that's kind of the, the thing that uh, perhaps is going to be talked about here over the next few days, but is this something where you tinker with the lineup here? We've uh, obviously we threw out Dan Linder's name, uh, an offensive change. Does Phil Caputo go into a different role? Is Sandy Chapman back in the lineup? Uh, all kinds of different things we threw out there. But uh, is this something that you tinker with here? Well, uh, you know, we have a, a lot of moving pieces, as you, you mentioned there. And um, from a coaching standpoint, you want that. We have a lot of uh, flexibility within our lineup, especially when we're healthy. Uh, Dan, who you mentioned, is somebody that um, you know we feel is a real good player. And, and uh, he's somebody that we need to get in the lineup at some point. Um, you know, we'll... Uh, Basically, our lineup's going to be uh, what we feel is gives us the best chance to win in Rochester, and and whatever that is, um, you know, we'll we'll come up with it on Saturday. But uh, we're not afraid to uh, to tinker around just because we've been having some success. But uh, at the same point, um, you know, we were pretty good for a month there, and uh, and we had a bad game, no doubt about it, against Calgary. Not the result we wanted, but um, you know, it's uh, important to show some uh, some faith and and uh, give these guys a chance to bounce back. All right. I think KD voted no tinker. I'm a no tinker guy. I still have <laughs> faith, yeah, to be honest. All right. Well, there we go. All right, Matty. Well, uh, thanks a lot for joining us. Uh, of course, we'll do this again, and good luck Saturday in Rochester. Thank you. All right. That was Matt Sawyer, the head coach of the Toronto Rock. Short break here on Toronto Rock Total Access, and then back with the captain, Brody Merrill. He say one for the trouble, two for the time. Come on, girls. Let's rock that. Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. I'm Mike Hancock along with Kyle Davis. We now welcome in studio the captain of the Toronto Rock, Brody Merrill. Brody, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. 
good to have you back on the show. I think the first time this year we had you on once right. last year and uh, had a good chat. So looking forward to that again. So uh, uh, a result that uh, nobody wanted to see, obviously, on on Saturday night. But, uh, you know, we try to draw on the positives here, and it's four wins in five games, right? So, uh, you know, looking back at Saturday night, uh, is this, do you think, uh, a blip on the radar for this team, or should there be any reason for concern? You know, when I went back and we uh, watched the game, um, just some things that were still fresh on my mind from it and wanted to go back and and revisit some things. And I, I don't know, I think, um, you, you know, you're kind of never as bad or good as you think you are. And I think that was a case where, um, you know, we did some good things. I think we were right in it. Um, and it just, uh, there was a stretch there where it kind of got away from us. And, and uh, you'd like to see us kind of respond better at that stretch, but, um, you know, they were able to, you know, um, get that separation and close it out. So, you know, credit to them. They're, they're a good team. I, you know, I think they've underachieved a little bit and not uh, their, their records, not a reflection of how, how good they are. And where do you think that point was maybe more specifically in the game? Because it felt like when Schreiber scored the goal, went up eight, seven, as we've, we've talked about a ton on the podcast here already today, but then it seemed as though Calgary got those couple of goals in the last minute of the third quarter to go up by a goal going into the fourth, and it just seemed like there wasn't much of an answer, wasn't much of a pushback. Obviously, a seven nothing fourth quarter unfolds. Yeah, I, uh, you know what? I felt really good after that goal was uh, after uh, Tom had scored. It felt like our um, we kind of got through a bit of a rough patch, and then had turned a corner in the game and and that was a good momentum swing and but they answered you know and I think it was uh sure a little you know some some mistakes maybe not playing to our our level but I I also thought it was they made some plays too and and so sometimes you got to just recognize that and uh you know look for those you know minor improvements and and being a little bit more aware engaged at certain points of the game but um I think it was a, a pretty fine line um, in terms of the overall result. I know the score w- wouldn't suggest that, but I really believe that looking back on the game. Brody, they end the game by scoring nine unanswered goals there. Uh, fr- from yourself's perspective and specifically just the defense in general's perspective, what's going through your head when they're, when they're you know rallying off a, a run like that is it more so you know come on offense we really need one here to stop this or do you feel added pressure on on the back end to you know we really got to give our offense a couple chances in a row to get this rhythm going and stop this yeah you try not to be too aware of the score uh, board at that time you know in in all honesty you're trying to just stay in the moment uh, try to just focus on on doing your best and playing well within your shift. And, um, you know, at that time, you know, what you felt a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit helpless, you know, when they started to pile some on there. And it was, um, you know, I think, yeah, you're looking not not to the offense specifically, you're just looking for some kind of positive swing and momentum. And, and you know to make a play and uh, we just couldn't do that really anywhere on the floor um, you know and so I think that was that was a disappointing part of that game you know when they strung a few goals together we weren't able to just make a positive swing play to kind of grab momentum back from them um, so it's never really one thing uh, you know, but I think from a mindset of a defender, when they're starting to go on a run, you want to try to, 
you know, uh, again, make a simple, hard play to, to, to swing positive momentum. And taking a step back from, from this game in particular, and more so, f- I guess, the, the previous four and the season in general, how how fun is it playing, you know, defensively? And how much more confidence, I guess, do you have when your offense is, is really rolling like we did see in the, in the previous four games? And, you know, things are clicking up there, and it just must give the overall team and defensively just a, a boost. And, you know, things are just going that much uh, – Going, going well that night, I guess. Yeah, and you know what? Like, I, you started to have that uh, familiar feeling like we were going to pull away early, you know, and, and um, like we had in the previous four games. And it was uh, – it's that's not typical, you know, and that run that we, we went on, um, you know, it's very hard to win in this league week to week. And, um, you know, on that – during that stretch, things kind of felt, you know – I shouldn't say easy, but it was just a – we seemed to, um, you know, really grab hold of games and uh, and control them in, in all aspects. And when you have a kind of a buffer like that, it does change the way both teams play, you know. And I think that um, – and you saw it kind of the other way for us in the Calgary game. You have to start kind of chasing things a little bit when you're down – uh, particularly later by you know more than three or four or five goals and so that um, you know that can quickly stretch out and that's what happened you know um, for us during that you know each game was a little bit different but um, we were able to um, you know get some good some good leads and then from there it's just about playing smart playing disciplined and uh uh, and, and, and finishing so that's what we've done and, and I think we're capable of that um, again the, I think the truth is somewhere in between where, where we're at right now from what we saw on the weekend and then the previous games now I wanted to kind of dial back into the into the first half of the game too because I know especially into the second quarter it just felt like such a tight tight game in the first half and I'm just wondering you know as a player out there kind of what was the what was almost the temperature of the game or the feeling because Watching it from up in the press box, I kind of felt like, and I know we don't uh, always love to encourage fighting here, but it almost felt like it was one of those things where you, you needed a couple of guys to get in a dust-up just to almost relax everybody because it seemed like not only were both goaltenders playing well, both teams seemed to be getting some looks, but there was some drops creeping in, and it just seemed maybe either a little bit tight or I'm not sure what the right word is, but you know, and did that kind of – maybe start to weigh into some guys that things were getting maybe a little tighter than uh, expected. Yeah, I think so much of this game, so much of sport really is like a feeling that you have and, and you, you know, and a kind of a vibe. You hear that a lot. And we, you know, um, it's human nature. Like we, as much as we talk about it, you know, coaches reinforce it. Um, you know, we, we, we've won four games in very you know convincing fashion riding pretty high and you know and then a team that's kind of on the opposite end um that uh is, is playing really desperate and we so we were aware of all those things and we're uh, and maybe fighting against that a little bit early in the game and, and really in the moment it didn't feel i didn't feel like it t- i just felt like we were in a really tight kind of it was going to be one of those kind of back and forth boxing match type of games that was a feeling early and, and even, you know, throughout even later into the third quarter. And then it really, you know, it got away from us there. But in the moment, I just thought it was a really competitive, hard-fought game that was really going to be 
uh, kind of one of those one or two possible overtime type of games. That's what it felt like in the moment, and it just didn't end up that way. Now this week we look ahead to uh, the Rochester Nighthawks, a team that the Rock have had some success against already this year, a 17-9 win earlier uh, this season at Air Canada Centre in game. You know, Matt Vince uh, didn't last too long in that game, a guy that uh, I think everybody always keys on because he's one of the best to ever play the game at his position, and I think he's always a guy that you uh, probably prepare for quite a bit, especially on the offensive side. But uh, what are you expecting from this game? I mean, you know, you're coming up against a team almost in a very similar position that the Roughnecks were in. You know, Rochester's dropped five in a row here, or two and five, and we've kind of talked about it a little bit here that, uh, you know, it's almost kind of like a must-win game here for Rochester. Yeah, I, I think um, you know they're they're uh, maybe a tougher team to get a read on because uh, they, they've had some pretty you know some extremes this year already. Um, you know, like you, you look at some of their early games and and have uh, you know won in dominating fashion. And so um, I don't know. I, I think I, I just felt personally after the Calgary game, it's a little bit of a reset, and we're you know we're going on the road and and. Um, I think this is an important stretch for us, and and uh, you know, good opportunity to to rebound, and and um, yeah, you know, Rochester's always been such a tough place to play, and um, so uh, yeah, I just expect a really competitive kind of playoff. Like, uh, I hesitate to use that this early, but it's because where every game has that, that level of importance, but um, you know, this one does have a you know. Um, kind of a unique feel to it heading into the weekend okay Brody well uh, obviously we wish you uh, the best of luck Saturday night and uh, like we say hopefully this game against Calgary just a blip on the radar but a big Eastern Division matchup coming up so good luck Saturday and we'll do this again soon all right thanks guys all right that was Brody Merrill captain of the Toronto Rock we'll take a short break here on Toronto Rock Total Access and wrap it up in a moment Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. Great having Matt Sawyer and Brody Merrill with us in the studio on the show today. Some great insight from those two individuals. Uh, but right now it's just myself, Mike Hancock and Kyle Davis here to wrap up the show. We've got buying and selling to get to. Um, one trade that happened, uh, what day is it? So Monday afternoon, announced that uh, the Buffalo Bandits had sent uh, Pat Saunders to Vancouver in exchange for Thomas Hogarth. Um, two guys that... Uh, I like both of them as players. Got to see Thomas Hogarth play for the Orangeville Northmen a couple of years ago after he was traded from Peterborough and uh, was a big part of their run to an Ontario championship and almost a Minto Cup championship, but right to the finals. And then Pat Saunders, a guy that we're both very familiar with, uh, of course played for the Halton Hills Junior B Bulldogs, uh, for which I guess I am the general manager for that team. And Kyle Davis played for the Junior B Bulldogs and played with Pat Saunders way back then. But... Uh, you know, he's he's been a pretty good player in this league, and we've got a question to throw out there in our buying and selling about that. But more importantly, um, just its impact, this trade in the East Division and the fact Pat Saunders wasn't in the lineup really for Buffalo, kind of in and out and not really playing a very big role. Thomas Hogarth, a defensive guy who can transition a bit, and, uh, you know, I think he's just kind of he's just a lacrosse player to me, Thomas Hogarth. But... Um, you know, does this uh, 
does this trade, I guess, make the Buffalo Bandits better, or what does it do for them? I think initially, you know, from a Buff- uh, Bandits perspective, I think it it does make them better in the sense that they weren't playing Pat anyways, right? Yep. So, so initially, I'm assuming they're not trading for Hogarth to, you know, send him to the press box either. So, you're essentially trading a body that wasn't in your lineup for a warm body that's going to come in and play. Uh, so, just on that merit alone, I think from Buffalo's perspective, you do you do feel better about yourself, and you know, you wonder. You know, Pat scores the big goal in Saskatchewan a couple weeks ago, which we talked about <laughs> against Saskatchewan. Sorry, uh, yeah, o- overtime then, winner, and you know, next week in the press box, <laughs> next day or week, yeah, you know, the week after this, done. Uh, you wonder how much you know. You know, we mentioned Burn. Burn rips five on the left side from from uh sorry this past game and you wonder if from the management side they're you know that's our all right we've seen enough of burn now now we really we really like our like feel more confident in him pat wasn't playing but something like this i'm not sure in the nll how it happens you know how how long would these talks be going on i don't i don't see something like this just being picked up you know and agreed to on on one phone call is it like you you'd probably know more than i would on that i don't know i mean i i would think obviously that i'm sure there was some discussions for for perhaps perhaps a little while but it does also go um back to i think like we've talked about a lot is hero to zero in this league and what you know almost better example is it of pat saunders i mean buffalo gets this massive come from behind win that everyone is talking about Saunders scores the game winning goal in overtime and then can't find his way into the lineup you know after a bye week and then they uh, decide not to play him this weekend against Rochester and then he's traded on Monday and I I just I don't know I mean he's a guy who's who's scored you know 40 goals in this league before and not a long time ago either so it's it's kind of it's it's a little just you know strange in the fact that uh, he hasn't really been able to anchor himself down anywhere he was traded from new england a couple of years ago too and uh you know like we've mentioned both you and i know pat pretty well and and what he's capable of and we've seen him you know in his junior days junior b and junior a you know 50 goal guys last year in junior a he's he's got that pedigree you know that he is just a goal scorer and it's kind of odd that he hasn't really been able to to find a regular home in this league i i, I think it's kind of puzzling but um yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see how this plays out. I, I think for the Buffalo Bandits, like you say, I agree that, you know, you're taking a guy that you, uh, you know, had in and out of your lineup for a guy that you're probably going to want to uh, put in more regularly. And Buffalo's had some injuries, obviously, pop up here with Matt uh, Bennett going down and also uh, Mark Stainhouse going down. So they, they also had a bit of a hole to fill on the back end, too, there. So I think this overall will probably make Buffalo better in the short term. Um, over the long term, who knows? I mean... You know, we'll have to see. Maybe there's a question coming up in buying or selling that could lead us to who may or may not win this trade long term. So why don't we get right to buying and selling before we uh, tease it anymore? So first up on buying or selling, and for those of you who are just tuning in for the first time, of course, this is where I throw a couple of topics to Kyle and say, are you buying or selling? So if he's agreeing with it, he's buying it. If he disagrees... He is Jennifer Hedger, sealed. <laughs> it's gone. All right, so first up, uh, we talked about Josh Byrne, his big offensive performance this weekend. Um, 
five goals. Is the rookie of the year race over? Is Josh Byrne the rookie of the year? I am selling that. The rookie of the year race is not over. Uh, there's still lots of lacrosse, lacrosse to be played. Uh, we're just going through it here, actually, and I, I think the guy who's still going to be in contention is in our backyard here in, in Dan Craig. Uh, I know he's played a couple less games, but uh, you know this past week, obviously, everyone struggled. But you know he strung together a couple couple nice games himself, and that's him just entering the league. I think he's going to get more comfortable with more playing time. You could see his you know points you know fluctuate a bit this year, like it would for any you know rookie in the league. But I think that I don't think this is over. He also got you know Josh Byrne could get hurt this week. We don't know if that he gets hurt, that opens it right up. And, uh, so. There's just so many variables left. I don't think it's uh, it's over yet. You know, he's the hot topic right now because he scored five goals. But you know, Dan Craig could come out with with three this weekend for all we know, and just could be a, a David or a head-to-head race, I guess you could say there. Um, you know, but for that reason, I am selling that the rookie race is uh, complete at this point. All right, I got to agree with you. I mean, like you mentioned, Dan Craig, 14 points right now. Yeah, he, uh, he is a little ways behind Josh Byrne in the total points, but Dan Craig has played two less games and only has four less goals. So uh, everything is within striking distance there. Other one, will Pat Saunders, or I guess we'll say Pat Saunders, will return to his 40-goal-type form in Vancouver. In other words, he's going to start burying somewhere between two and three goals a game. This is tough for me because like you mentioned, you know, friends with Pat – and whatnot, but uh, it's kind of like a, I'm gonna have to sell this as well for for these reasons here. You look at the left side; they got Staples and Corey Small and Logan Schuss there, who who like the ball, want the ball, want to shoot the ball. You know, you got Dutch uh, on the right side. You still got McCready getting up there on the right side. Who like you know they want their touches as well. I think he's gonna find a better role, or they're gonna use him more. You know, then he got used in Buffalo, but I don't know if I can confidently say he's going to return to to form. You know, scoring two, three a night, and as well, he's got to get adjust to this offense. This is all going to be new to him traveling. He was, you know, driving down to Buffalo. Now he's traveling to the West Coast, and what, what's that like? So, uh, unfortunately, at this point, you know, wish him well, but I can't commit to him. You know, returning to to three goals a night here for the for the remainder of the season. Probably have to agree with you. I don't like it, but I probably have to agree with you that it may be tough for him to do that and that, uh, you know, at some point here, I think we'll also go through all of our expansion stuff, but I think you could see Pat could be a guy that ends up being left unprotected and uh, it may be the best thing for his career. Yeah, fresh start and kind and of be, be somewhat more prominent. Yeah, be more of a, a number number one two guy where he is count, counted on to score 35 40 goals so we'll see all right so that brings us to the end of uh buying and selling this week kd doing nothing but selling sitting on the wallet this week nothing <laughs> Cheap. but selling <laughs> all right uh so that takes us to this weekend's matchup the rochester nighthawks uh will be the home club against the toronto rock the rock beat uh, rochester back few weeks ago here in toronto by a score of 17 to 9 now this time they go down to rochester and they've had a uh, good crowd there last week i think uh, one of their biggest crowds in recent memory and uh, for their military night so good to see that we'll see what's in the building this saturday when uh when the rock are down there but the rochester nighthawks has uh 
We know I've fallen on hard times here lately, KD, losing uh, five in a row after starting 2-0. and Yeah, and their offense was pretty prolific to start the season, and they've kind of cooled right down. Uh, you know, the Eastern Conference – Eastern, yeah, the Eastern Conference, sorry, has has tightened ri- right up with New England, Toronto, Georgia, Buffalo all in the mix, and Rochester seems to be uh, kind of getting left behind right now. I think this is basically, you know, a must win for them, or you know, Toronto's beat you twice, and we're we're only early February here. Um, not sure really what to make. Last time they were in town here in Toronto, at least Toronto handled them pretty easily. Uh, you know, their number one guy in Vino lasted 13 minutes and change. He was out on a quick hook, which I know we thought was kind of kind of crazy, actually, looking back at it. So I'll be curious to see, you know, what, what he, how he rebounds, I guess, in in this game. And you know, Toronto usually does be able to put up a good a good effort against Rochester in a division game. And I think Toronto's going to go in there hungry, though, looking to rebound after this past weekend, not not feeling good about how that ended, and have a good practice tonight and go down there. And I, you know, still feel confident Toronto's going to get the win. Uh, just be curious to see if you know Rochester made some adjustments and maybe tightens up a bit because they've really been struggling of late. Yeah, only 51 goals in those five games that they've lost in a row. Uh, two and five, like you mentioned, how things have tightened up. And and just to put a little more perspective on it here, I mean, if Rochester drops the six losses, I mean, you you can't say it's over at this point in the season, but it is a very very big hill oh, to yeah. climb. And and like you're kind of saying it's about as close to a must win as as you can get here for Rochester I think but um, at the same time it's kind of a must win for Toronto too at the same time because there's a ton of games this weekend and I don't think you want to be waking up on Monday morning thinking you're in third or fourth place here and and you know it again it's the hero to zero thing four in a row four and two and I think you mentioned to me on Monday it's just kind of weird sitting there going well four and three like this doesn't feel like a four and three team just because of how well they played over that four game stretch yeah you know if you break it down into different parts of the season I guess you know you start zero and two and you're kind of like my thoughts were you know you're kind of just getting going you got a new group of guys together not everyone's gelled and whatnot so you kind of put that aside I guess in its own category there you know and then the offense and and the team really comes together you you rattle off four in a row and you're probably thinking this is more what we thought we had in the offseason or when we're putting this team together than the first two games so you think you're you're kind of there and then how quickly you can you know you can almost lay an egg and all of a sudden you've won the last four of the last five games but in the overall big picture you're you're still four and three you're a game above 500 and makes you know this week Massive, really, because I, I believe Georgia's got two games this weekend versus Buffalo, and then they got uh, Vancouver, I want to say. But, you know, someone's coming out of the Georgia-Buffalo game with a win. Uh, you know, those are two teams you're right there with. Uh, so, yeah, the, you want to rebound this week. You don't, And then, you know, like we mentioned earlier, with the lineup changes, would you do a lineup change if, you you know, you drop this. Now we're starting to get into a little bit of a slide, dropping two in a row, and you don't want, uh, obviously, that to happen. But like I said, I feel confident in the boys to uh, to bounce back and, the, you know, the coaches to get them through a good practice tonight and uh, go down to Rochester and, and earn a W. Sorry, and we'll, we'll throw a quick correction in there on the schedule. Rochester and Georgia play on, on Sunday. So that's oh, Georgia's. Rochester. Sorry, yeah, so Vancouver. that's Georgia's uh, other game. So Georgia-Buffalo. Okay. So, yeah, to quickly uh, tee up the games this week, Buffalo-New England, 
uh, on Friday and then Saturday night is a very busy one. Georgia, Buffalo, of course, the Rock and Rochester, Colorado, Calgary, Saskatchewan, Vancouver. So all divisional games there. Yeah. And then uh, Sunday, Rochester's in Georgia. So uh, pretty busy, busy weekend in the NLL. So we will uh, we will quickly get to prediction time here, KD. What uh, what are your thoughts for this Saturday? The Rochester Nighthawks, the opponent. And this Saturday, well, we've at, we've just said Rochester's kind of averaged, you know, 10, 10 a game for the last five there. I know Rochester 10, Toronto bounces back with uh, with 15 themselves, and a 15-10 Toronto Rock win this, uh, this weekend in Rochester. Well, 17-9 has been my somewhat lucky number here, or numbers, so I'm going to stick with that. 17-9 Toronto on Saturday night. An offensive bounce back, a defensive bounce back, and uh, a Toronto Rock win. There you go. You love that number. <laughs> well, when it works once, I can go back to the well a few times. Uh, ticket stuff before we wrap up here. Uh, we're off for a little while. No home game until Saturday, March 3rd. But uh, what's cooking in the ticket office, Katie? Yeah, last chance to uh, – last opportunity to get your four-play pack – uh, you know, four games remaining here, so down, and then we're down to three. So obviously, we're gonna, you know, end that pack. Still got the six ticket flex pack available. Uh, lots of games going on in March, whether it be you know during March break, during uh, the the Easter Friday, the Good Friday there. So good uh, opportunity to get some groups down to the game. Uh, we had our biggest crowd of the year this past game, so we're getting some momentum momentum going in the right direction. So don't hesitate to visit torontorock.com slash tickets or hop online and chat with one of our reps or obviously. Call us at the office at 416-596-3075. We'll be more than happy to get you set up with your ticketing needs. And just to uh, pump the four-play pack a little bit more there, of course, as you mentioned, four home games left, so it's a great way to lock in for the rest of the regular season for only 110 bucks, no taxes and fees on top of that. $110, you're going to get four games, which are obviously the last four home games. But uh, one of those four games guaranteed to be in the Platinums, which is a $72 value on its own, people. It's a steal. You'd almost be silly not to get this. It is an absolute steal to get in the rink for the last four games of the regular season. So that is the four-play pack available at torontorock.com slash tickets. Or like Kyle said, call the office, 416-596-3075, and ask for KD. And you guys can maybe chat about what you heard on the podcast. After the plug we had in this game, probably going to be a lot of calls, a lot of inquiries about this podcast now. So I'm expecting a busy week once this gets launched. Absolutely. All right. Well, that will about wrap things up for uh, this week's show. Thanks for tuning in. Remember to uh, listen on SoundCloud, subscribe on iTunes, uh, find us on torontorock.com, tweet at us, uh, leave a message for us on Facebook, however you want to get in touch with us. Um, But most of all, call KD. Because he wants to chat with you during the day on the phone. That's why. <laughs> All right. So that'll be wrap things up for this edition of Toronto Rock Total Access. In the meantime, and in between time, I am Mike Hancock for Kyle Davis saying we will chat next week.